What is up, my crew? Hey guys, this is another Wild Wednesday. You are listening to Interesting Facts with Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. And man, what a wild week it was. But we did it, guys. So congratulations to you guys. You know, y'all have made it through, you know, the four-hour, the five-hour episodes, the four-hour Interesting Facts last week. We made it through on Sunday. Uh, Katie Bell got the locket. Um, man, it just keeps kicking up from here in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And eventually, we're going to be on what you guys have waited for, which is Hallows. And uh, that'll finish out our season. But we still got a long way to go, going on the up and up. So, you know, like I always say, let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Oh, woohoo! That was a throwback for the peas, man. Black Eyed Peas, way back in the day. Man, it's starting to make me feel old now. Haven't heard from them since they uh, did that Super Bowl a few years ago that didn't, you know, turned out okay. A little bit better than JT's first <laughs> first Super Bowl, I would say, Super Bowl halftime performance. But with that, guys, let's go ahead and dive on in it. I uh, got a lot of information for you today. Uh, luckily, guys, you can take a breather. It's not going to be as intense as last week uh, with our four-hour interesting facts episode, but we got some good ones for you here today. So this is focusing through chapters 6 through 12, what we went through on Sunday, finishing those chapters where, remember, at the very end, you know, Katie Bell, uh, she got hit with that locket and was raised into the air. Um, we realized that the locket was cursed and barely touched her skin. So uh, that's kind of where we're ending out on these interesting facts today. So just focusing through those chapters there. So starting out, remember Luna Lovegood was talking about Raxpert. So she said, Raxpert got you. Um, and Raxpert, what that is, so that's an invisible magical creature, actually. It would float near your ears, uh, almost kind of like an insect, right? Um, but it would make people's brains uh, confused and would cause people to be unfocused. Um, it is said that the species, um, when suffering from Raxpert, would actually be infectious and contagious, so you could spread it to other people. You can dispel them, though, with positive thoughts, so almost sort of like Dementors, uh, where you can produce a Patronus with these happy thoughts, uh, right, and a pure heart. It was kind of the similar thing, except for they weren't near as threatening, and you could uh, pretty much just think positive thoughts throughout your brain to block them out. But it, here's a little quote from there. It said, a Raxpert, they're invisible. They float through your ears and make you go all fuzzy. I thought I felt one zooming around in here. And that was Luna Lovegood uh, talking to Harry and Neville while they were on board of the Hogwarts, Hogwarts Express. Um, so that's what that is. And we know Luna, uh, she definitely kind of has her own theories on some people. Uh, one's actually Rufus Scrimmageor, which we'll talk about uh, later on in these next upcoming episodes, um, which isn't true, but she has her own thoughts on things. Um, Raxpert's actually had to be collected uh, by the Secrecy Task Force uh, during the Calamity. Um, and in 1998, the Quibbler actually reported that Raxpert's uh, broke out of the ministry and uh, they had to actually call the Health and Sef Safety Regulation Department <laughs> to go break them down. So Nogtails uh, is another one that's mentioned. What Nogtails are, they're native to Europe, Russia, North America, and South America. These are really cool. Uh, creepy, but cool. But they're demon-resembling pigs <laughs> is what they are. 
They describe them in Pottermore as piglets, so I guess they're smaller than normal pigs. Uh, but they have narrow black eyes, thick stubby tails, and long legs. They're actually known uh, to sneak around in pigsties and feed on ordinary pigs. Um, and they have been known to infest farms. Um, the longer the nog tail went undetected, the longer they would infect uh, the farm and cause infestations. Uh, the only way to ensure one would actually stay away is this is why wizards and witches would keep pure white dogs. Uh, so they would keep big pure white dogs around to chase them away, almost like a herd of pigs. Um, the Department of Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures maintained a pack of a dozen albino bloodhounds specifically for this purpose to keep them away. Um, and this is mentioned, remember, in the Half-Blood Prince, uh, Tiberius um, took his nephew, uh, Cormac McLagan, uh, to his colleagues, and that's when Rufus Scrimmajor and, um, and Higgs were hunting nogtails that they mentioned. Uh, so it was a constant kind of the ministry fighting these nogtails because they would infest the farms of the area and just weren't good. But um, as far as, so the treacle tart, remember Harry would eat these and it said uh, Harry dropped his gaze to his treacle tart and his insides were burning again. What he would not give to fight Malfoy one-on-one. Uh, so these treacle tarts are really cool. Uh, they're basically like an English dessert, really like a pastry, like a scone or something. And I'll actually tell you how to make your own because, you know, we're big on the cookbook here. You know, got to try to make my own. Of course, I'm not the best at cooking, so I'll call somebody over to help me do it. Hence, I'll watch them do it and they'll do it for me. <laughs> and then I'll uh, take notes, try to do it myself, but it doesn't come out near the way it's supposed to. Probably set the smoke alarm off a few times. Anyways, but it's an English dessert traditional. Uh, it's made of short crust. It's a pastry uh, and it has golden syrup on the inside. Normally served in the wizarding world with uh, dollop cream, which is basically ice cream, uh, similar to Dole Whip if you ever gone to Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Um, it can be served with ordinary cream, custard, or yogurt as well. Best served cold. But to make your own, so here's what you'll do. So it says cut butter into small cubes, place it in a layered plate, and freeze it for about 15 minutes. Uh, they should not be frozen, but still get cold enough. So get it, my suggestion would be really to put it in the refrigerator for a while versus the freezer. Um, but then it says place flour, sugar, and salt in a food processor and uh, mix very well after that and put it in a bowl and mix well. Add butter cubes and process it shortly. Um, about 10 pounds, 10, not 10 pounds. They say 10 pulses of, dull, uh, of dough, uh, 10 pulses of dough. So keep in mind, this is from the wizarding world, but I would say, you know, basically like um, 10 ounces maybe. Uh, but yeah, add dough and it should just resemble breadcrumbs. Uh, sprinkle about two tablespoons on very cold water um, and then pulse a few times again until dough comes together. Add a third tablespoon of water if necessary. And if you need it, depending on how much flour you use, you can add another tablespoon of water. 
uh, but just make sure that it doesn't get too thin. Uh, the dough should hold together and you press a little bit between your fingers and this is when you're going to start filling the pastry. So remove the crust from the toast bread and then weigh it. It should be about 110 grams or ounces uh, needed to make bread crumbs in a food processor. If you don't have a food processor, it's okay. Uh, you don't, that's not n entirely necessary. Um, but you do have, it, another part is zest, uh, juice, and lemon. Um, and then place golden syrup into a small saucepan and warm gently until it's running. It should not take very long either. So uh, just be careful about getting it too thin. As far as, so then you're gonna combine the syrup, breadcrumbs, lemon zest, and lemon juice into a bowl, mix it together. The dish material you should have, use a loose bottom pie dish. That's what most people use. Um, it'll make it easier when removing the tart because you'll have to kind of peel it away as the crust kind of sticks to the bowl. Um, also, you can use aluminum foil to make sure it doesn't stick, but alternatively, it says you can use a pie dish. Um, should be about the size of a pie in, in diameter um, or about 23, uh, 23 millimeters, uh, nine inches. Um, so the pastry should be rolled into a circle about 26 centimeters and 10 inches in diameter. Um, and then assemble, to assemble everything together, you're going to roll out the first dish, uh, the pastry, into a circle large enough to cover the bottom and the edges of your pie. Uh, press the dough into fluted edges of the pan. So that's the first dish. Then you're going to have a second dish coming up. So you're going to roll out the second dish of the pastry into a circle of about three millimeters, one eighth inch thickness, and a diameter of about 23 uh, centimeters to nine inches. And you're gonna cut the pastry into long strips uh, for lattice topping. So, and then we're gonna pour uh, the filling into a prepared pie dish and level the top. Now lay half the strips over the filling in one direction. And then the other for you, uh, we're going to lay half the other strips in the other direction forming the actual lattice so and then you're going to just trim the edges so it's going to look like an actual pie uh, mix the egg and water and brush the lattice in the edges of the pie with the mixture and then let it dry and then that's how you make the treacle tart um, next thing here so uh, we're talking about confronting the faceless so the book Hermione was reading it says Hermione hastily dropped her copy of Confronting the Faceless back into her bag and stowed it under her chair. Uh, confronting the Faceless, uh, it was a newt-level Defense Against the Dark Arts book. Honestly, nothing else is known about that. I actually looked it up and tried to see if there was more. Uh, there's not. No one knows who the author is. Uh, nothing. So if you do know, uh, definitely shoot us an email, leave us a comment on YouTube. Um, hit us up on Instagram, or you can put it on our Facebook wall, uh, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. So if anyone knows the answer to that. Uh, acid Pops. This is really cool. So remember Dumbledore left a note to Harry, and at the end it said, P.S. I enjoy Acid Pops. <laughs> so what Acid Pops are, they're similar to Muggle Lollipops. Uh, they're actually sold at Honeyduke Sweet Shop in Hogsmeade. Uh, actually are pretty sour. They have been known to burn a hole <laughs> in your tongue because they pop and get so sour. But um, so acid pops were also the password to 
Albus Dumbledore's office. So when he left him that message, it is true. He was really trying to tell him what the password to his office was. Um, but actually, in the real world, so Hasbro actually sold Acid Pops, um, Harry Potter folklore at one point. And you can make your own two different ways. So I'll tell you the easy way, and then I'll tell you the long way here. But to make your own the easy way should take about 15 minutes max. The easy way is make 12 to make 12 rounds of lollipops. Uh, what you're going to have is you're going to get a bunch of lollipops that you can buy pretty much at any store, right? You could do that, and then you'll basically put them in Pop Rocks, uh, which Pop Rocks is like a candy. Or you can do this another way, which I'll tell you how to make it from scratch uh, really quickly in 15 minutes. So to make 12 rounds of lollipops, the ingredients you need are six tablespoons of honey. So remove the wrappers from lollipops, uh, place honey in a bowl, and then you're going to place Pop Rocks in a bowl. And then you're going to dip each lollipop in the honey and then sprinkle the, the Pop Rocks on it and they'll pop in your mouth. So it won't actually burn a hole in your tongue <laughs> like they say does in the book um, but uh, that's an easy way to make them as far as making uh, acid pops from scratch so the ingredients you're going to need is sugar water lemon juice lemon flavor water and yellow food coloring uh, the tools you'll need is a candy thermometer 18 lollipop molds with sticks or two baking trays how to make this uh, you're going to spray lightly or brush the mold so that it doesn't stick and do this with oil. Then you're going to place the wooden sticks in their place in the molds. Um, if not using molds, you know, you can brush the baking trays with oil and set those aside. But then you're going to place the water, sugar, and lemon juice in a saucepan. Heat the mixture on medium heat uh, while stirring. Um, you're going to stir the sugar until it dissolves, and it shouldn't take very long either. When the sugar dissolves, stop stirring, increase the heat, and let the mixture cook without stirring it until the temperature of the sugar reaches about 300 degrees Fahrenheit or 148 degrees Celsius. As far as this should take about five minutes, so don't let it take very long with that, but they should turn into like a light amber color for you. Uh, then you're going to remove the heat quickly, um, but carefully stir um, the food coloring in there uh, with the flavor so that way it mixes up and then you're gonna have a spoon of melted sugar in the lollipop molds or in the baking trays and if making the pops or baking the tray uh, spoon a small circle of hot candy in it uh, place a wooden stick on the hot sugar circles press lightly and turn a bit until you make sure the stick has candy all over it um, if necessary Spoon a little extra candy on the stick uh, just to make sure it holds on there. Then if the candy hardens before you're finished it, don't pan it. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to place it back on the stove um, and put the heat up again a little bit and then until it turns into a liquid again so you can redo that step. So don't panic if that happens. Um, let the lollipops harden before you remove them from the molds of the tray. But once hard, dip them shortly in water coat with acid coating which is the honey and then uh, place it in jars um, or honey as far as this part making it from scratch is really the mix um, so that's how you would make your own acid pops if you want um, amortentia so amortentia 
is the most powerful love potion in existence. So we were talking about a lot about love potions, which is going to play a lot into the next upcoming episodes we have. Um, the word, which is cool, the word, the reason it's called Amortentia, it comes from the Roman god love, Amor, and Tentia actually means to hold or to held. Uh, so put those together, Amortentia, you have the most powerful love potion ever in existence. It says it caused powerful infatuation and obsession from the drinker. So not actual true love, not like Harry's mom, but infatuation and obsession is really what it caused. Uh, Felix Felices. So it's the magical potion that makes the drinker lucky for a period of time. Uh, everything attempted is successful. It has been known to be successful for everyone that's drank it for that day. Uh, it turns the ordinary day into an extraordinary day. If used in excess, though, can cause giddiness, recklessness, dangerous overconfidence. And if taken in excess, can also be highly toxic to the user, um, especially in large quantities. And it has been known to be banned in sports such as Quidditch. But pay attention to Felix Felicis because it will pay. Uh, we will um, spend a lot of time on that in the next upcoming episodes. It does require six months to brew. Um, and here's the recipe for it. So add Ashwinder eggs to a cauldron. And then add horseradish and heat. Uh, juice a squill bulb and add them to the cauldron and stir vigorously. Chop up anemone, uh, like growth on the back of a mertlap, that's nasty, but add a mixture and heat to it. Uh, then add a dash of tincture of thyme and stir slowly. Then you're gonna grind up an okimi shell, eggshell and add it to the mixture. Stir slowly and then heat the cauldron. Add a sprinkle of powdered common roux, and then you're going to stir vigorously and then heat the cauldron one last time. Wave your wand over the potion in a figure of eight and say the incantation, Felix Impra. And then the potion will resemble a molten gold, and it'll actually leap out in intervals like goldfish uh, soaring from their bowl. It is actually noted that the drops of the potion that leap across the surface never spill, and the potion splashes merrily when in the cauldron so like luck it'll never never overspill which i which is really cool uh zygmunt budge that we talked about a lot he actually invented the potion and it's known to be the potion that crowned his career quote unquote uh squill bulb is part of a plant that is used in similar uh similar to organs as far as a plant goes um, but it's just known for having magical properties so it's just part of a plant uh thyme is a common herb Okami egg, this is really cool. Uh, those had shells made of pure silver and uh, had luster giving properties and were helped, were known for helping hair growth. Uh, so pure silver eggs basically, but an okami that the egg came from. So these were winged serpents that they are described uh, and they were big magical beasts. They were actually found in the Far East and India. Uh, it was known that a two-legged serpentine uh, body creature with wings could reach up to 15 feet uh, tall and wide. It was extremely aggressive to anyone who approached it. Um, they actually lived off insects, birds, rats, and occasionally ate monkeys. So pretty wild there. It was uh, Corampitix, so that's C-H-O-R-A-N-A-P-T-Y-X-I-C, so Corampitix. Uh, which actually means it can grow and shrink its body 
to fit a space. So if you had a tight space, it could shrink itself through it to make sure it went through the crack in the wall um, if it needed to, so it could avoid escape places. Newt Scamander actually captured uh, several in 1926. Um, Sylvanius Kettleborn uh, that we talked about, remember he had the play that we've talked about so many times on our Interesting Facts episode. We even talked about it last episode with the Fountain of Fortune. He's the one that almost burnt down all of Hogwarts. He was known to be most daring with his fire-breathing magical creatures and fire he experimented with. Uh, But Sylvanus Kettleborn uh, taught them at Hogwarts in his Care for Magical Creatures class at some point. It doesn't know the exact time. And Gilderoy Lockhart actually tried to capture one at one point uh, to invent hair products for his golden, uh, silky, smooth hair. But all that's known is that the creature escaped, and he never wrote about it in his books, probably because of that. Uh, Rue, what that is, it's also known as common rue. It was a kind of evergreen shrubs uh, native to the Mediterranean region of Macronesia and Southwest Asia. It was used as a remedy for dog bites, poisons, and Felix Felices, um, and it is known to have a bitter taste uh, when when used uh, by the drinker. But um, it was this aquaminti aquaminti charm. Uh, that's next. We actually learned this in Flitwick's class. Uh, so what that is is that's the water making spell. It made water drinkable. Um, and it would come out of the wand, uh, drinkable water that was pure. Uh, it was The spell is classified actually as a conjuration or advanced form of transfiguration. Um, the way you would actually conjure this is you would move the wand slowly right and left. Uh, it is useless against fiend fire, guys. So that's <laughs> not going to work against something like that. Which fiend fire, you know, we talk about uh, it's going to come up towards the last episodes of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince here. But we've talked about it a lot in the past, and it would, you know, the fire would set fire so much that it would actually be known to have cursed the place. So that's not, this Agua Minty charm isn't going to work on that. Previous practitioners, though, Floor Delacour actually used it in the Triwizard Tournament. Uh, Marietta Edgecombe actually used it at a DA meeting. Seamus Finnegan used it in Flitwick's class along with Harry Potter and Hermione Granger. They both used it there. Um, Rubius Hagrid actually used it to put a fire out in his hut, uh, which we talk about uh, with some episodes down the road. The opposite incantation to this is actually the fire charm, which has been used a lot before. We just haven't really talked about it much. Not fiend fire. This is a much less lower version of it. But um, it's known as the fire charm, and it's performed opposite. So you go, you know, this one here, the aguaminti charm, you're actually using it by going right to left. So the fire charm, you would go left to right um, when performing the incantation. But it's conjured jet flames that could be used to set things alight. It's listed in the Standard Book of Spells Grade 1 by Miranda Goshock. And it's taught to students during their first year at Hogwarts Charm class. So a lot of people have already used this. We'll actually talk about coming up in the next episode on Sunday how Albus Dumbledore used it. He used it non-verbally to show his magical ability to Tom Riddle um, back in, you know, blast from the past, flashback there. Um, we'll talk about that on Sunday. Uh, Rubius Hagrid used it non-verbally to light a fire near his hut in 1991. 
Uh, remember, he kind of shot it out from the umbrella and it lit that fire when he was meeting uh, Harry near like the Dursleys and all that. Uh, Minerva McGonagall used it in 1992, so the second year of Hogwarts to light a fire near Snape's office. Um, and then uh, the barman at the Leaky Cauldron used it in 1993, so the Azkaban years, to actually just light a fire at the Leaky Cauldron. Arthur Weasley used it in 1994, so Goblet of Fire year, year four, uh, to light a fire near Privet Drive. Uh, this was when they were going to pick up Harry from the Dursleys. Uh, the Death Eaters used it in 1994 during the Goblet of Fire year to light the tents on fire at the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, Rita Skeeter in 1994 during the Goblet of Fire fourth year uh, used it to light candles in a broom cupboard. Peter Pettigrew used it that same year as well. Uh, and he used it to light the fire under the cauldron for Voldemort's body. Alastor Moody actually used it in 1995. Uh, so the book we talked about previously before this one, Order of the Phoenix, my favorite book. And he used it non-verbally to burn a piece of parchment in Grimwald's place. Um, and then Dolores Umbridge also used it that year, that same year, to burn a flying paper that was charmed by Padma Patil uh, in that same year. Fifth year, 1995. Uh, Relatio. So um, this, remember we talked about on Sunday, Bob Ogden, who was uh, going to visit Marvolo Gaunt, and that whole situation happened where he was really investigating the situation. And Marvolo Gaunt was strangling his daughter in front of him, and he casted that spell, Relatio. So Relatio, what that is, it is known as the revulsion jinx. Uh, it forced the target to release its grip on whatever it was holding. It worked as uh, on living and inanimate objects. So it worked on living and inanimate objects as long as it was holding something. It appeared jet purple out of the person's wand. Uh, underwater, it actually would release hot boiling, boiling water underwater. So, so guys, that is our interesting facts today. Um, so I figured I'd give you guys a shorter one today and hopefully in the next coming weeks, you know, we start getting those a little bit shorter, give you guys a little bit of a break because uh, you're having these long episodes on Sunday uh, with how detailed that they have been because we know Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is a beast of its own. Don't ever take that for granted just because it has some shorter pages than Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. It is definitely its own beast. Um and just such an intellectual read. Uh, well, guys, um, you know, follow us on Instagram. You got me at rbrow129. You can follow us, our podcast page on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. You can follow us on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Um, follow us on YouTube. Hit like and subscribe. Uh, definitely, please, guys, leave us a review. We love your feedback. It's all great stuff. We read every single one on Apple Podcasts that show up. This really means a lot to us. All you do for us, always following us each and every week. Been our loyal followers from the beginning, and we know we've thrown some long ones at you. But hopefully this one gives you a little bit of a break, a little bit of a reprieve. And then on Sunday, we're going to start diving into it, going back into Voldemort's past, which that's going to be some really detailed stuff. With that being said, guys, this has been another Interesting Facts with Chase a ridiculous production from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. And this is Chase, your host, signing off. Mm -hmm.